Alrighty, hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast of the 15th of the Ides of March, really, 2023. Good God, I really need to stop drinking in the morning, in the afternoon, and the evening. I'm Derek Hunter. I'm your host. Welcome to it. Appreciate the use of your ears and appreciate the support in spreading the word. And uh, those of you get a special place in my heart for those of you who go to... uh, Patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast or DerekHunter.Locals.com and support the program there, get the extra show content and enter to win the contests and things like that. I appreciate the hell out of that most of all. Really do. All right. I want to get started. We've got a lot to get to. All right. There's a lot to get to today. We've got to talk about our president of the United States and the administration, the Ripple's from everything that this guy does as he falls out of bed, he's not a morning person, Ginger Goebbels. Just, see, Ginger Goebbels is back in the news. It's not very often that Ginger Goebbels makes news these days, but uh, she's back in the news. We'll tell you why in a second. It's just uh, God, the things that people will do to uh, make it in television, to make it in media. I don't get it. Do you have a what price your soul? And uh, apparently, these outlets hit that price for everybody. There you go. There you go. Here's, how many zeros does it need for you to be a complete pile of garbage? Okay, not a problem. I mean, granted, some people start off a lot closer to that than uh, otherwise they would have been. But it's just a shame what happens to human beings in this day and age. And then there are some people who are just born awful. Just born awful, been awful their whole lives. And that is Joseph Robinette Biden. We have a uh, president of the United States who is a complete and total buffoon, ladies and gentlemen, a complete and total buffoon. Or he's evil. I mean, it doesn't really... There's not much of, when the end it's the end result that's the problem. I suppose how you get there doesn't really matter. If you are driving to the mall, it doesn't matter if you take surface streets or the freeway, it might get you there sooner. It might not, depending on how traffic is that day. But the end result is the same. It's not to say that the ends justifies the means all the time, but honestly sometimes if the the ends are good, the means the ends can justify the means. You're not electing pope. You're not electing priests. You're not electing rabbis when it comes to your politicians. Sadly, I think far too many people confuse that and think that these people should be wonderful and moral and upstanding. And that'd be nice. Don't get me wrong. It'd be very nice. It's just not practical. First of all, people like that don't tend to want to go into politics. Secondly, some of the people who've done some of the greatest things politically that have happened in this country have been really reprehensible people. I promise you, without naming Donald Trump, that you would people who love Donald Trump, myself included, love, love the president's uh, term, at least would, would not want him to marry your sister. It's that simple. But 
You're not electing your brother-in-law. You're not electing Pope. It's the, and the one thing that Donald Trump has going for him is he never stood around and, and morally preened about uh, you know himself, how wonderful and upstanding and moral he was. He's been married three times. He knows that he's been married three times. He knows why he's been married three times. The whole world knows why he was married three times. Hell, he, he pretended to be his own press agent to get media about why he was married three times. But as president, he did a damn fine job. As president, he did a damn fine job. Meanwhile, if you just look at the progressive wish list for how people should live, and actually what people should think, Hitler checks a lot of those boxes. Vegan, loved animals, blah, 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 down the line, progressive and policies. That's that's the truth. Just look it up. So how somebody lives in their personal life, it's not saying it's not important at all and you shouldn't factor in. You factor in whatever the hell you want. It is important to recognize that you're not electing a moral leader. You'll always be disappointed. You look to other human beings to be a shining example of morality for you. Other human beings suck. And I say that as somebody who sucks. We all are imperfect and flawed in our own ways. Short tempers, whatever it is. So when you look at somebody like Joe Biden who pretends to be, I'm a devout Catholic, he's a devout, I assume that you have to to work in this administration. Every time it comes up, say, hey, uh, what about Joe Biden? This, well, as a devout Catholic, you know, he wraps himself. Nancy Pelosi does the same. As a devout Catholic, she will be outside making sure that as many people as humanly possible have abortions. How do you square that circle? Don't know. You don't have to, really, if you're a Democrat. Nobody's going to call you out on that. That's a question. Hey, how do you justify that? That's a question you'll never be asked as a Democrat. Period. End of story. You just won't be. So Joe Biden is out there trying to be the moral leader of the country at a time when we just really need an honest leader of the country. And we don't have an honest leader of the country. Say what you will about Donald Trump. When it came to policy, I'd say less on the personal front, but again, who cares about the personal front? But on policy matters, you asked Donald Trump a question, you got Donald Trump's answer. In those marathon press conferences that probably ultimately became counterproductive, the length of the time that he'd spent at those uh, COVID, it was great at the beginning, but at a certain point, you got to leave the stage uh, and stop it. But at those questions, you asked the question, nobody was like, well, I don't think he was telling me the truth about what he thinks of the origins of COVID or what he thinks about this piece of pending legislation before Congress or what have you. Donald Trump gave you what he thought. Now, you could argue all day long as to whether or not he gave it a lot of thought before he gave you his thoughts, but he gave you his thoughts, whereas most politicians have years, decades, in Joe Biden's point, of absolutely focus grouping and testing everything that they stand for. 
everything that they put forth. Everything, everywhere, all at once. So that brings, and so Joe Biden gave an interview. We'll get to the, uh, the banks issue in a second, but this is more telling about the character of Joe Biden and the sadness of, we got bank collapse going on, there are bank collapses going on, there's serious fear out there, justified or not. It doesn't matter if it's justified fear or not. I don't know, I'm not a banking expert, but it's real. And as president of the United States, you're supposed to deal with what is real. So in a time when a leader is needed, the president of the United States comes out and gives a statement. I'll play you a clip of that in a bit. And then he shuffles off the stage. It's like 10 feet from the door he is with this podium. And it takes him 30 seconds to leave the room because he shuffles over there. And then he has to figure out how a door opens. How does a doorknob work? Because he forgets these things. And his grip, I imagine, isn't all that good. So he opens the door and reporters are shouting questions at him that are pretty important that a president who wants to be a leader should be able to answer. And he doesn't answer. He doesn't acknowledge it. Maybe he doesn't notice it. I'm sure he's been ordered to immediately upon conclusion of him reading the teleprompter to get the hell out of the room and not answer any questions. Because why would you answer any questions on a matter as serious as whether or not huge sections of the banking system in this country are going to collapse? It's only the entirety of our and the world's economy at risk there. Instead of answering any questions about that, Joe Biden then goes shuffling out and sits down for an interview with Cal Penn for Comedy Central. Now, if you don't know who Cal Penn is, if you remember the movie Harold and Kumar Go to White Castle, there were three Harold and Kumar movies. He played Kumar, Cal Penn did. It's stoner comedies. The first one was, was actually funny. I liked the first one. The second and the third ones were just straight. It was just one-trick pony. Like, okay, it's the same, it's garbage. It and then it get into the, the realm of absurd. And it was just not not funny. But the first one was very funny. Then Cal Penn was on I don't know, is he on ER or something? He's an actor. Then he left to work in the Biden or the Obama administration because he's a left wing activist and an actor. He happens to be Indian. And now he turns out to be gay. Apparently, late in life, he discovered that he was gay. Don't care. But he sat down. He's hosting because Comedy Central, uh, what's his face? Trevor Noah left Comedy Central. So he probably didn't even know Trevor Noah left Comedy Central, left The Daily Show, because who cares? Um, the show is irrelevant. It gets fewer than a million viewers now. Back when John, By the way, back when John Stewart was there, it wasn't doing all that much better. But at least the media paid attention to it. There was a time when John Stewart would attack George W. Bush or Republicans, and the media would report it and write it up like, oh my goodness, John Stewart really lambasted George W. Bush last night. Now, the reason they did that, and the reason John Stewart got all the magazine covers while having a show that wasn't even in the top 100 on television, was because John Stewart was saying the things that reporters wished they could say 
things they said in private, but they couldn't say on their own. So they said, well, John Stewart, I think George W. Bush is a moron and Republicans suck, but I can't say that because I'm a journalist. But John Stewart saying Republicans suck and George W. Bush is an idiot, that I can write up for Time magazine. And so that's why John Stewart got all these reports. Like, oh, everything John Stewart said was reported as though it was important when it wasn't. Now journalists don't need that that extra step. Now journalism is so dead and changed so much that it's they can just come out and say, George W. Bush sucks and Republicans suck. Not quoting anybody. So Trevor Noah and Comedy Central and The Daily Show that don't really matter as much anymore. All you get is a couple of stoners sitting up who probably fell asleep at the 10 o'clock show and aren't watching. That's the amount of ratings that they have. But they've they've been trying out different hosts for the uh, Daily Show. I don't know that they're going to ever settle on one. I don't know that I don't from a ratings perspective and a budgetary perspective, it probably shouldn't continue. But I've I've seen three of the guest hosts. I think it's been a while. They seem to, if you were a minority and in, in comedian or even remotely uh, tangentially connected to comedy, like Cal Penn, he's not a comedian. He's a left-wing activist who was in funny movies. If, you, uh, if you're a minority, you get a shot at hosting The Daily Show. Just If that's the criteria, I don't watch it. I couldn't care less. I just find it interesting. Maybe there have been some some evil white guys, maybe even a straight one or two that have guest hosted, but uh, none of them made any news and none of them got an interview with the president of the United States. And that brings us back to the interview with Cal Penn. Tells you how serious Joe Biden is about presidenting. First, I want to, I want to play this clip about gay marriage that he said. Now, why... You're talking about gay marriage in an interview with the president of the United States. It's it's so beyond boring and settled, we've been told. But the left needs it to not be. The left needs people to think about it constantly and think and believe, my God, they're going to they're going to throw everybody in prison who's in a gay marriage. Clarence Thomas can't wait to throw himself into <laughs> into prison and outlaw his own marriage. Uh, the real reason Cal Penn asks is because he's really bad at hosting The Daily Show and he's gay. And he claims that his auntie and uncle... Now, the only ever, the only people I don't know, maybe it's the white guy in me talking. The only people I've ever heard refer to aunties are black men. I never heard an Indian guy refer to aunties. But Cal Penn does here. His aunties and uncles are uh, pressuring him to get married. He's apparently, he's been with his boyfriend for like 11 years, and they're engaged. And Joe Biden then tells a doozy of a lie about gay marriage. See, Cal Penn asks, when did he come around on gay marriage? You talk about a question from 20 years ago, 15 years ago, 10 years ago, certainly not relevant today, but when you're sitting down with an idiot actor because you can't sit down with anybody who might even risk asking you a serious question. This is the kind of crap you get. Every auntie and uncle that I have is beyond disappointed that there hasn't been a wedding yet. But, uh, but Cardi B is going to marry us, apparently, officiate our wedding, which would, which would be nice. But my, my question for you, Mr. President, is you codified uh, support for same-sex marriage and interracial marriages like 
like ours. I'm curious what your evolution was like on marriage equality and what the federal government might be able to do to protect LGBTQ Americans, especially trans kids who are dealing with all these regressive state laws that are popping up right now. I can remember exactly where my uh, epiphany was. Okay. Hadn't thought much about it, to tell you uh-huh. the truth. And I was, a, I was a senior in high school, and my dad was dropping me off. I remember about to get out of the car, and I looked to my right, and two well-dressed men in suits kissed each other. I mean, they gave each other a kiss. And then one went, looked like he was heading to the DuPont building, and one looked like he headed to the Hercules Corporation building. And I'll never forget, I turned and looked at my dad. He said, Joey, it's simple. They love each other. It's simple. No, I'm not joking. It's simple. They love each other. And it's never been, it's, it's, it's never been, it's just that simple. It doesn't matter whether it's, whether it's same-sex or a heterosexual couple. They should be able to be married. What is the problem? What is the, it's simple. It's simple. My God, it's simple. Joe Biden was born in 1942. That puts him as a senior in high school, 1959, 1960, somewhere in that area. Um, I highly doubt two dudes were kissing on the streets in Delaware in 1960. I just, I doubt that. But if it were, there's no way in God's green earth that people would look at it and go, hey, you know what, It's just they, they just love each other. Leave them alone. The first response would probably be the first time they'd ever seen anything remotely homosexual. It might well have been illegal there in Rhode, in uh, Delaware at the time. And he would not have said, ah, you know what? Love is love. Hey, man, they love each other. That's all, Joey. They love each other. There's just no way on God's green earth that a, uh, let's see, hardline southern clan sympathizing racist family like the Bidens, look it up, would have said, you know what, though, them gays, it's okay. Love is love. I just doubt that. I just doubt that. So let's get in the Wayback Machine since Joe Biden's is simple. Simple. It's easy. I, I watched two dudes make out and have relations right there on the steps of the high school back in 1960. And my dad said that's perfectly natural and normal. Your dad spent a lot of time in Turkish prisons there, Joe? Something you want to tell the group? Um, let's go back to 2006. Remember, the question Joe was asked that you just heard him answer was, when did you have your epiphany about gay marriage? Oh, 1960, 1959, whatever it was. Mickey Mantle was the top of the pups. Boy, howdy, did he look good in those flannels. Here's Joe Biden on Meet the Press in 2006 talking about marriage being not between a man and a man. The president used his radio address uh, yesterday and tomorrow in the Rose Garden to talk about a constitutional amendment to ban gay marriage. You know, think about this. The world's going to Hades in a handbasket. We are desperately concerned about the circumstance relating to uh, avian flu. We don't have enough vaccines. We don't have enough police officers. And we're going to debate the next three weeks, I'm told gay marriage, a flag amendment, and God only knows what else. I can't believe the American people can't see through this. We already have a law 
the Defense of Marriage Act, where we've all voted, not where I voted and others said, look, marriage is between a man and a woman, and states must respect that. Nobody's violated that law. There's been no challenge to that law. Why do we need a constitutional amendment? Marriage is between a man and a woman. What's the game going on here? Yeah, Joe. Marriage is between a man and a woman. What's the game going on here? See, listen, Mac, what's happening? Well, that's a different tune. It's almost like Joe Biden didn't really have his quote-unquote epiphany back in a senior in high school days of 1959 or 1960. It's because he didn't say squat about it until 2012. Now, what happened in 2012? Biden, Obama, Obama, Biden were running for re-election, and the fundraising was not doing super great, and they were not getting a lot of money from the gays. So they wanted to hear that. So Joe Biden said, oh, I support gay marriage. Suddenly. He didn't even say back then, I've always supported gay marriage because he knew he didn't. He was lying then. He's lying now. He's a liar. By the way, on the Defense of Marriage Act, Joe Biden was a vote in the affirmative. Joe Biden voted for the Defense of Marriage Act, this champion. Uh, when did you have your epiphany on gay marriage? Oh, I had it in 1960, but I didn't act on it until 2012. Oh, wow. That's, uh, that actually makes Joe Biden seem a hell of a lot worse of a grifter and a fraud than he actually is, does it not? So you're telling me that for half a century you acted in the exact opposite way of what you genuinely thought? Because you thought it was politically expedient to do so? Is that is that what you're telling me? But no, Joe Biden gets... Oh, he's, he was the first to come out in favor of gay marriage, no? The uh, Obama-Biden administration sent Joe out because they literally they were not getting enough money. For, uh, they were fundraising. Their fundraising was low. People forget how unpopular Barack Obama was in 2012. The economy wasn't great. He was not a very popular person. There was a chance he could lose. Mitt Romney ran a horrible campaign and lost it for them. But fundraising wasn't really going all that well. The, uh, the various interest groups in the Democratic Party were unhappy. The economy was not good. Obama, you know, shovel-ready jobs were not as shovel-ready as we thought, blah, blah, blah. And the, the only reason they, really the reason they won is Mitt Romney was a horrible candidate who refused to really go after Obama. And Obama and his army of goons pummeled Mitt Romney in every conceivable way. Mitt Romney was an elite and defeat monster. He's a monster. He's a terrible person, blah, 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 blah. You can, I have a lot of problems with Mitt Romney. But to think that he's somehow an animal abusing homophobe, whatever, is ridiculous. But that's what they ran on him. Remember, they found somebody who allegedly went to high school with Mitt Romney, who, according to legend, which is all they ever got, though Mitt Romney and his friends, they uh, pinned him down and cut his hair because he was gay in high school. That's what they did in high school is they cut his hair because he was one of them their gays. That was widely reported. What was not widely reported was that the, uh, I think it was the sister of the guy they allegedly cut, pinned down and cut his hair because he was gay, said he wasn't gay. 
The guy had long since died. Democrats don't pick people willy-nilly. They want to make sure they have absolutely no way to be refuted in any way that the media will pick up on. So if you say, hey, in high school they pinned down Eddie and shaved his head because he was gay, and then they go to Eddie and say, A, that never happened, and B, I'm not gay, that kind of puts a damper on their spin. So they made sure to go through the yearbook to pick somebody who was dead and could not counter the allegations made on their behalf, not even against them. And his sister kind of not wasn't gay. That's the only problem with your thesis is he wasn't gay. And uh, they were trying to bill it as a homophobic attack. But since it wasn't firsthand denial by the guy himself, the media kind of overlooked it. And Mitt Romney was therefore painted as a monstrous homophobe. Meanwhile, Joe Biden is sitting in his car with his daddy, watching two men go at it on the streets in super progressive southern slave state Delaware in 1960s. Anybody seeing how this might not be an accurate depiction of Joe Biden's life? I mean, that's not even addressing the fact that Joe Biden has never given an accurate depiction of Joe Biden's life, quite frankly. You think he might be full of uh, crap a little bit? But that wasn't the main... Joe Biden then, after talking to Comedy Central and Cal Penn, he then went on to talk about trans kids, you see. Trans kids. There's a big difference between gay people and trans people. There's a big difference between adults and children. Joe Biden wants to appeal... Look, Joe Biden becomes whatever... Actually, all Democrats become whatever it is they are talking to, whoever it is they are talking to. You remember Hillary Clinton suddenly became a black preacher when talking to a black audience. Joe Biden does the same thing. He really does. Remember, they're going to put you all back in chains. That was another thing, Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney's just this side of a slave owner. Republicans want to put you all back in chains. And you go, wait a second, there are two people... Uh, there's two old white guys in this race. One is a Mormon who never did nothing to nobody. You could you could argue Mitt Romney's boring, but you can't argue that he's a Klansman. And then there's Joe Biden, who had previously bragged that Delaware's a slave state, pal. I know how to appeal to racists. And talked about when he first went to the United States Senate how he was embraced by the segregationist Democratic senators. And they were his mentors. That's Joe Biden. But Joe Biden talks to a black audience in South Carolina. They're going to put y'all back in chains. Oh, y'all? How often do you see Joe Biden or hear Joe Biden talking like, y'all, y'all, we got to do this. That ain't Joe Biden. That is not milk toast Melba Joe Biden is as white as spilled milk on porcelain. And yet suddenly he becomes Al Sharpton if he's in front of the right audience. Same thing when talking to a gay guy about gay is ah, always for gay marriage. I just never did anything about it. Shouldn't that, shouldn't that piss off the left even more? I mean, wait a second. So in 1960, you were for gay marriage and you kept it quiet your whole adult life until 2012? When the Defense of Marriage Act was being debated, you kept it quiet? The gay community, the activist gay community, considers the Defense of Marriage Act, DOMA, one of the biggest affronts to their existence ever, and Joe Biden voted for it. He, he not only voted for it, he remained he, he was vocal in his support for it. 
<laughs> like, wait. But now he gets credit because, well, because it's about politics. It was never about anything else. It's always about politics with the left. Anyway, Biden went on to talk about trans kids because that's all the rage right now. I can't believe that the the majority of gay people I know, which is a, it's a small sample, but it's it's bigger than you'd expect. When they see these drag queen story hours, when they see the drag queen brunches and they're grinding in front of the kids, they're disgusted by it. Now, these are people, look, adults can do whatever they want. And that's the attitude that these people have. Adults can do whatever they want, but you don't bring kids to it. And their real problem isn't, well, their parent, they have a problem with the parents bringing kids to these sorts of things, the, the drag dance shows and the grinding and everything. But it is the drag queens themselves, those weirdos, not weirdo because they do drag, although that certainly isn't normal by the definition of the word. It's when you look out, if your job is to go dress out and drag and, and do a striptease or a grinding sort of really super sexually suggestive dance for an audience of adults, all right, you know, I'd, I don't know, I'd flip burgers first, but all right, that's what you want to do. But if you look out between the curtains and see kids out there, and your only response, not only your immediate response, but your only response is, what in the hell are those kids doing here? This show is not appropriate for children. I'm not going out there if you don't get those kids out of here. If that's not your reaction, but instead you go through the curtain and grind around and get up uh, in front of those kids and laugh hysterically and really get close so your underpants are right there because that kid was sent up by their degenerate parents with a folded up dollar bill to give you. You are the problem. You are the the parents and you are the problem. And, uh, you know, the left is always like, you can't call. Don't call them groomers. How dare you say groomers is such a negative word. Look, if you're dancing sexually for kids, you're either a groomer or you got a weird. You're hoping to turn that kid into something. You're hoping to take him or you might. I suggest that maybe if that is something that's even in your repertoire, you um, you shouldn't probably be anywhere near kids. And I'd probably talk to the kids you've already been around. Gay, straight, I don't care. If you want to, uh, if, you, if you're if you taking kids to something that's sexually suggestive and then you're engaging in things that are sexually suggestive, I didn't do anything to them. I just ground in front of them. It's one step away. Maybe you have the power, the willpower to stop, but maybe you don't. You got the inclination to not, and that's pretty damn sick. But anyway, Joe Biden firmly comes out in favor of parents, progressive parents, who really, really want the status of having a trans child, being able to butcher the bodies of their children so that they can be the bell of the next neighborhood barbecue. Uh, transgender kids is a really harder thing. What's going on in Florida is, as my mother would say, close to sinful. I mean, it's just terrible what they're doing. It's not like, you know, a kid wakes up one morning and says, you know, I decided I want to become a man or I want to become a woman or I want to change. I mean, what, 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 what are they thinking about here? They're human beings. They love, they have feelings, they have inclinations that are, I mean, it, it just to me is, 
I don't know. It's cruel. And the way we do it is we make sure we pass legislation like we passed on same-sex marriage. You mess with that, you're breaking the law, and you're going to be held accountable. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. That's so profound. They're human beings, man, with feelings. They're children. They're impressionable children. They're 10-year-olds. They're 5-year-olds. They're 13-year-olds. That's what we're talking about, Joe. Some adult weirdo wants to butcher their body? I couldn't care less. Go ahead. But if some adult wants to encourage the butchering of the body of their children, there I draw the line, Mr. President. There I draw the line. And dare I say that there most people draw the line. But you don't because your donor base doesn't. Somehow, 40% of the American population took stupid pills. And forgot what a man or a woman is. Just, oh, all right, yeah, no. And what's amazing to me is the entire profession of psychology. That, oh, that whole gender dysphoria thing that we've treated millions of people for, probably hundreds of thousands, certainly, and successfully prevented them from butchering their bodies and they live healthy, productive lives because they just were working through the, whatever it is that happens uh, to some kids. Um that we're wrong. We should have, instead of trying to work through whatever mental problems caused them to absolutely 100% try to deny reality, we should have been indulging their delusions. We should have been forcing other people to indulge their delusions and then lining up surgeries because we get referral fees if we send people over to the butcher, the, the genital butchering factory. This is the Democrat Party, and this is who they are. This is You're listening to an 80-year-old man talk about the need for children to be butchered surgically or chemically castrated in the name of compassion because a tiny subset of his political base, tiny but active, tiny but vocal, demands it. What is it I always say? I say lots of things always, but... Never underestimate the amount of damage a small group of people who are committed to a cause can make. The Nazis were a distinct minority in Germany. Look what they did. The communists were a distinct minority during the revolution in Russia. Look what they ended up accomplishing. Mao led a minority of the Chinese. And look what he did. Everywhere, totalitarians have had power. They came to power as a distinct minority. But they were committed to their cause. They were committed to their destruction. They were committed to the damage that they wanted to do. And really, it was they wanted the power, and they would do anything to maintain that power. I don't believe for a second that any Democrat you hear talking about this garbage truly believes that a 12-year-old should be butchered. But I firmly 100% know that those people go, well, if we have to sacrifice some 12-year-olds, so what? So be it. Move on. Who cares? They pretend to be compassionate when it's convenient for them. But how many politicians do you hear talk about the suicide rate amongst our soldiers? with any regularity. Not very many. How many talk about the suicide rate amongst police officers? Not too many. Girls saw a 13% jump 
I believe it was, in the suicide rate, in the attempts of suicides, in just the last two years. How many times have you heard really any politician talking about that? But certainly not our compassionate Democrat president. They'll cite, oh, there's a high rate of attempted suicide in the trans community. There are. That is an indication of a mental illness that should be addressed professionally, not a justification for the indulgence of delusion, the delusion, the battle with the delusion that has led them to that. But what they don't tell you is the higher suicide rate for people who had transitioned, quote-unquote, even though you can't transition. They don't talk about that. They don't care. Those people, don't. they're not helpful to Democrats. Why even bother talking about them? They're not helpful to Democrats. Just like the people who are out there screaming, I've detransitioned. I was conned into this. I was talked into this. I was pressured into this. I was bullied into this because I was vulnerable. And somebody in a position of trust, some adult in a position of trust, pushed me to this, convinced me to this. Schools are now being exposed as talking children into this. Is it to deny the existence of anybody who's... No, I don't. I'm going with the majority here. I'm going with the fact that kids should not be making these decisions. And schools should not be making these decisions. And teachers should not be making these decisions. And keeping that from the, the parents and putting kids on hormone blockers and other hormones to change the makeup of their bodies, chem- chemistry. And they're going, well, you know, what are you going to do? We've got to keep it from the parents because they would not support this. Yeah, you know what? They wouldn't. So should you give the kid hair? The kid comes up and says, you know what? I really want some heroin. And you go, all right, but don't tell your, we won't tell your parents. The school of policy is officially, the child came to me about the heroin. I did not go to the child about the heroin. And uh, they want to try heroin. So I got a guy and we're going to get the kid some heroin. But we're going to make sure that the parents don't know because they would not be supportive of this heroin addict. Are they exactly the same? No. Because one involves butchering the human body and one just involves butchering the human... Wait, no, they are kind of the same. And you think, well, you're using absurdist tactics uh, to illustrate a point. Yes, but if I had been talking to you and said the same thing 10 years ago, 5 years ago, I would have been doing the same thing. Nobody would have believed it. Are we 5 years away from teachers? Using heroin or encouraging heroin use? Probably not. But if you seed the ground on the concept of this garbage, you're really not going to have an argument against it. Not a logical one anyway. So now that we've established that uh, Joe Biden is a raging hypocrite and a horrible human being, we are now left with what to do and how he is going to inflict as much damage as humanly possible on our country in the time he has left, both on this earth and in this office, or whichever one ends first. And it's bad. It's bad. We we had Kamala Harris, was it last week, talking about how somebody came up to her, some unnamed young leader. I gotta love these. It, it matters so much. She made such an impression on Kamala Harris that this young leader's name wasn't even worth remembering. Okay, well, I can tell you're a real big fan of this young leader. 
for a million dollars, Kamala. Name that person. Uh, you didn't. It didn't because it didn't make an impression. All you heard was a story you could capitalize on politically. Well, Kamala talked about a young leader who was talking about how with climate change looming, the disaster climate change looming right over all of us, this virtual sort of Damocles of, of weather, we're all going to die so soon that maybe, just maybe, they shouldn't have kids. And there are all these young kids sitting here saying this to adults, to liberal adults, to Kamala Harris and Joe Bidens of the world. Now, what should happen here, if they're decent human beings, I don't even want you, you don't have to be a good human being. You just have to be a decent human being. You hear all this crap and you go, you know what? Listen, kids, I know you're scared. You're confused about this. And you can even couch it if you believe, well, let me put it this way, if you need people to believe this climate change crap. You can even couch it in, look, you're right to be concerned, but we'll be fine. Human beings will be fine. Don't live your life in fear. Don't stress yourself out. Don't start drinking. Don't start doing drugs. Don't refuse to have children. Don't do it. will be we I have faith in our species to be able to do X, Y and Z. And we will cut whatever it is we need cut and we'll increase whatever it is we need, whatever it is. Since this is just political drama, even if you believe this crap, even if you believe it, you go, all right, I can't in good conscience scare the hell out of these people and sort of ruin their lives, even just a little bit. But instead, you get these politicians going, oh, I understand your fear. And that fear is real. Really? You're going to tell... Somebody at 18 years old who tells you they're thinking about getting their tubes tied or getting a straight-up hysterectomy because they don't ever want to have kids because the planet is going... They don't even want to accidentally have a kid get pregnant because the planet is going to end, life is going to end in a couple of years. You're going to sit there and say, no, no, you're right. You're right to be afraid. That's your answer? Why not just perform the hysterectomy yourself, you piece of garbage? Well, that's what when Joe Biden isn't trying to deny what a man or a woman or a boy or a girl is. He's trying to scare the hell out of everybody when it comes to climate. He did the exact same thing in the Comedy Central interview. Now, the audience, the average audience for Comedy Central is A, young, and B, not particularly smart. Luckily, it's C, small, but that's beside the point. So when you hear somebody like the president of the United States say, if you know, when it comes to climate, you're screwed, you can see why some people are literally trying to get themselves sterilized, why other people are facing depression. If you tell a kid life is pretty much going to suck for you and then you're going to die slow and painfully and it's going to be horrible. You can see how a group of people who are already the highest you know, rates of suicide, children, because, you know, the teenage years are really screwed up time. You can see how that might push some people over the edge. So what Joe Biden is literally doing here is putting another piece of straw on the back of a camel for a lot of people who are unstable and already fear this crap to go, 
well, then there's no point in sticking around. What am I waiting for? I don't want to drown. I don't want to suffocate. I don't want to watch my friends and family all suffer and die from the coming climate catastrophe. I don't want to be a part of it. I don't want to watch this. Your teenage years already suck for a while because you're figuring things out in life and your body's changing. You got hormones and everything. You, you just you do something stupid. You do something damaging. You do something dangerous. And the president of the United States and the political party of the president of the United States are actively encouraging this. They're actively encouraging this. Listen to the president of the United States on Comedy Central talking about climate and kids basically being damned if they don't stop the rising temperatures. If we don't keep the temperature from going above 1.5 degrees Celsius raised, then we're in real trouble. That whole generation is damned. I, I mean, that's not hyperbole. Uh -huh. Really, truly in trouble. They're damned. Every young person out there is damned. It's not just in trouble. They're not just really going to have to work hard, not just, you know, at risk. They're damned. This is the president of the United States. You're damned if we don't stop it, if we don't get our way. Well, what are the possible ramifications for a statement like that? You're damned. But life is over. Well, there's, you could have a suicide problem, which we have in this country. People could take more drugs. God knows we already have enough of that in this country and a problem with that and with fentanyl. You could also have one of these unstable people, and there aren't very many stable teenagers, you could have one of them do something wildly violent. Remember yesterday, Jane Fonda, what are you going to do about abortion? Well, we got to murder him. We got to murder him. If we got to murder him, we got to murder him. What are you going to do? Murder, murder, murder. You know, what the hell? Okay, Jane Hodgkinson, you just want to inspire somebody else to go out there. Here's the president of the United States. You and everybody you care about are damned if Democrats don't get their way. Well, who's stopping Democrats from getting their way? Why, it's those damned Republicans, those evil Republicans. Those Republicans are damning you. Those Republicans are ensuring that your life is going to be screwed up and screwed over that you and everybody you care about is going to suffer. Well, what do you think is going to happen? That seed getting embedded deep down in somebody's brain. They might just do something a little unstable, don't you think? They might just do something a little unstable, don't you think? Now, remember, yesterday on The View, Jane Fonda says, murder, murder those Republicans, murder those Republicans. And what was the response? Oh, she's joking. Somebody's going to take that out of context and they're going to not say that you're joking and that's gonna, they're going to try and blame you for something. These are the very same people who took crosshairs on a map of the country that was one of them, one of which was over Gabby Giffords district. Oh, yeah, tried to kill Gabby Giffords. is responsible. You know, Sarah Palin might as well have been the one who shot Gabby Giffords. And it wasn't just Democrats. The New York Times editorial board five years later wrote that exact same thing. Even though the New York Times had reported repeatedly 
on the absurdity of the allegation. The editorial board doesn't read the pages of the New York Times. Can't blame them. But you begin to see how these lies begin to permeate and burrow into people's consciousness. And you have them completely screwed. Completely screwed. So is Joe Biden trying to create a Manchurian candidate type person to go out and kill somebody? Kill a Republican? No, but do you think he would give a damn if he didn't? James Hodgkinson was in the news for three days. He tried to kill everybody on Tuesday, and by Friday they'd moved on. Steve Scalise wasn't even off life support. How long do you? How long was the guy who tried was traveled across the country, inspired by MSNBC, traveled across the country to kill Brett Kavanaugh? How long was that story in the news? One day. One day. It wasn't like he was caught mumbling to a tree in front of Brett Kavanaugh's house. He had a gun. He had the rope. He had the tape. He had the knives. He had everything. He had the how-to equipment pack. He was ready to do it. And it was a one-day story. The President of the United States, to this day, hasn't addressed it. Never once. Has he addressed it? You're sitting there going, what the hell is this country coming to? Well, it's coming to what Democrats are making it into, forcing it into. It's terrifying, honestly. So we've got to look at the the banking industry. And it's one of those, is the banking industry going to collapse? Again, I still don't know. I have seen a lot of conspiracy theories. I have heard a lot of conspiracy theories. I warned you yesterday against conspiracy theories. Now, conspiracy conspiracy theory doesn't mean it's not true. It just means that nobody knows yet, especially conspiracy theories about the future. Horrible things happen. People do bad things, and Democrats occasionally get power and facilitate all of those things. So... When you look at this collapse, these two collapses of these banks, it's is it indicative of something? I don't know. Is it not indicative? We don't know. So everybody just calm down. Instead of just giving you the news about what's going on, it's sadly become paranoia. It's become conspiracy theories. It is. Now, I don't know. Think what you will. I've heard it all. I've read some emails from you. I've I've watched it on television. We're like, this is this is how this is all planned. It's coordinated. This is how the government is going to bring in a digital currency. This is how they're going to control everybody. And like, yes. Can I get an amen? Yes, you can get an amen. Maybe. Be on guard for that. Yes. Be on guard for that all the time. You don't need to. Sp- Look, one thing I'll tell you is leftists never need a special occasion to be leftists, right? They just don't. So it's not like they're sitting there going, oh, now's our chance to pounce. They would have been advocating for this and pushing for this, and they would try to push for this no matter what. So to say that this was staged, and I've heard it, this was staged, the Silicon Valley Bank was staged, so that now they can introduce a digital currency and control everything. First of all, Let me just speculate, since I don't know what the future holds, but why I believe that this is 
not practical right now. I'm not saying it's not beyond the pale. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm saying it is not practical right now for a very specific reason. There are far too many people in this country who have no idea what crypto is, what digital currency is, and would never in a million years go along with this. There are far too many old people and not so old people who are not of the digital age. Now, if you start talking about millennials getting into the Medicare age, yeah, maybe it'd be doable. But right now, the people who would vote all of these people out on their asses, the people who do show up, you can guarantee show up, are not going to go along with this. They're not going to go cashless society. Forget about the control that government would exert over people by having this and uh, really the, the scary prospects. Just think of, think of it this way. You say, hey, we're uh, thinking about cutting $1 from your Medicare because we're, otherwise we're going to go absolutely bankrupt as a country. Well, what happens? All hell breaks loose and whoever that politician is, forget it. Forget it. It's over. They're done. They're ruined politically because senior citizens will go out and vote them out. What was it? In uh, 1986 or 87, somewhere in there, the federal government See, you think that the uh, the federal government just introduced Medicare Part D back in 2004, whatever the hell it was, when George W. Bush was president. You think that was just brand new then? And it was brand new. They got It's the first time that it stuck. It wasn't the first time the government tried to introduce a prescription drug benefit into Medicare. They did introduce a prescription drug benefit in Medicare back in the late 80s. Democrats controlled Congress. Reagan was president. They did it. I forget what it was called. It was not Medicare Advantage. Medicare Advantage is still around, but it was called whatever it was. I've written about it back in my lifetime of being a health policy analyst. I just can't remember the name of the program. But once the costs came out associated with it, it was something like three bucks a month. Now, three bucks a month is a lot more now. Three bucks a month in the late 80s is a lot more than it is now. So three bucks a month wasn't nothing, I suppose. I think minimum wage was like three bucks an hour. So three bucks a month, in addition to people on a fixed income, particularly back then when you could retire essentially on your Social Security, three bucks a month wasn't nothing to sniff at. The seniors were, but you think three bucks a month, well, for a prescription drug benefit, great. You had no, no prescription drug benefit. You can get one for the cost of three bucks a month. That's pretty good. That wasn't good. Seniors were outraged. Were outraged. Dan Rostenkowski was a Democrat. He was the chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee. He was out of Chicago, Democrat out of Chicago. He ended up going to jail for corruption. But he, um, he, there's famous footage of him leaving some sort of event. I forget what the event was. I don't think it was about healthcare, but senior citizens were attacking his car. Senior citizens, 60, 70, 80 years old, they're holding picket signs and banging on his car with the picket signs. One senior jumps on the hood of their giant 1980s car that was driving Dan Rostenkowski out. And it's the only time in American history where an entitlement was repealed. 
After that and the sad sentiment around the country over the prospect of a $3 per month cost to senior citizens, they repealed that Medicare prescription drug benefit. And then it took another, what, 20 years, 15 years to get it again, to get it in a way that seniors didn't revolt and rebel. Now imagine telling those senior citizens, not those senior citizens, those senior citizens are probably no longer with us, but senior citizens with that mentality that your Social Security checks are going to go away and what's going to happen is you're going to get a digital card. You're going to get a card. Don't worry, it's going to be the same amount of money, but you're going to have a card that you spend things on right now. How do you think that would go over? It wouldn't go over very well at all. My father had Social Security and a pension, neither of which were very much, but together he was able to get by because he didn't have very many expenses. But he got his pension check. This is how my dad was. He got his pension check mailed to him. He could have had direct deposit. Social Security was direct deposit. But he would always go to the bank to make sure that Social Security deposit was, was there. He could. He had internet. I got him internet. I gave him an iPad. He could have done all his banking online. He wasn't. He wanted to physically go there, and he take. He would go to the post office and get his check for his pension and go and deposit it in the bank. He's not unique. There are literally millions upon millions of senior citizens out there, and soon to be senior citizens. My dad meticulously balanced his checkbook all the time. I, for the last I don't know, 20 years, I never cashed a single check that I got for Christmas or a birthday from it. And I was like a $10, $15 check for a birthday or whatever. That was all my parents could afford. And, uh, you know, you get that. And I just wouldn't deposit it. Not because I'm like, it's not worth my time. I could have used my phone to do it. Like, you, you keep the money. I appreciate the sentiment. You keep the money. And he'd call me up after like a month or so. Did you cash that check? No, I didn't cash that check. Well, I'm balancing my checkbook. I'm trying to figure out whether, did you cash that check? He'd balance his checkbook down to another. He'd get the statement and balance his checkbook. There are millions upon millions of senior citizens and about to be senior citizens who do that, who in no way on God's green earth would ever accept, no matter how it was described to them and no matter how it was sold to them, the idea of money going away and being replaced by a digital currency. So anybody who advances that would be met with what? Somebody going, they want to take away your money. They're trying to rip you off. They're tra- Forget the control argument would be effective for younger people. I don't think very many senior citizens are worried about they're going to engage in things that they believe the government would frown upon and therefore try to prevent them from engaging in. That would be the domain of younger people. Senior citizens would fall prey to the, they're going to rip you off. They're going to rip you off. There's something, there's too many people for whom tangible cash, literal physical money, is still all that matters. So for all the people out there going, oh, they're going to, this is going to use this to try and get into a digital currency. Maybe, maybe. It would be political suicide right now, but maybe. Because you'd be pissing off the largest voting block of Americans out there. Kind of hope Democrats do try to do that so that they would piss off the largest voting block of people out there. (laughs) 
But I don't think they will. That being said, there are certainly a lot of problems with what's going on and how the government is being dealt with it, not the least of which is the moral hazard of going, we are now going to ensure every deposit at these banks, even deposits above and beyond what the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation is legally allowed to cover. $250,000 per $250,000. Now, you know this going in, $250,000. You put in $300,000 and the bank collapses. You will only be reimbursed by insurance for $250,000. It means you lose $50,000. What does that mean to smart people? That means that if you've got that much cash laying around, <coughs> open up two accounts, put 150000 in both, Okay. Problem solved. Go to a separate bank if you have to, whatever it is. Don't park a whole bunch of money in there long term. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense because if the bank collapses, you lose everything except two hundred and fifty thousand. I'm sorry, you had ten million dollars in your checking account or your savings account or your corporate account or whatever, but you're only insured up to two hundred and fifty thousand. You knew this. You can't enter a bank or a credit union. They have different insurance at a credit union, but you can't without seeing that sticker on there with the $250,000 on it. If you threw all your money into that one basket, you dropped it, all the eggs broke. I will sympathize with you. I will say, man, that sucks, but you did it. Okay? You did it. Yet, if you're going to say, well, all right, we everybody knew the rules, but it didn't work out, so we're going to take advantage, we're going to take care of everybody, is damaging. Because then it goes to other, sends a message to other banks that they will get the same bailout. If you don't get the same bailout, you open yourself up to lawsuit, equal protection issues, and you'll probably lose. I'm not really sure how the Biden administration can waive federal law. But then again, they've been waiving federal law on the border since the beginning, so what the hell do I know? It still strikes me as very odd and definitely damaging. So what are these people focusing on? What are they talking about? Well, first of all, we got the President of the United States trying to blame Donald Trump for this. At a t- You can always count on Joe Biden. The, the Democrats are the presidents who weren't there. You remember Barack Obama's presidency? What was it that was said? Every five minutes, I inherited a mess. It's horrible. We're trying to correct the mess that we inherited. We inherited with George W. Bush sucked. George W. Bush did this. The economy, we spent a trillion dollars in stimulus and it didn't work and the shovel-ready jobs weren't as shovel-ready as we thought they'd be because of George W. Bush somehow. And it worked. Partly because Barack Obama was historic and the media immediately slobbered all over him, but also because he was more likable and charming than Joe Biden is. Not really working with Joe Biden. But Joe Biden's playing from the same playbook. Eight years, Barack Obama wasn't responsible for anything bad that happened because it was something George W. Bush did. When it comes to this and pretty much every the border, we inherited a mess. No, you inherited a sealed border. You inherited a border that was not completely secure, but certainly way more secure than this. You inherited remain in Mexico. You inherited all this and you made it a mess while playing Red Rover and saying, send everybody over to South and Central America. That's on you. 
Joe Biden says he, this was Trump's fault because of deregulation, which was passed in a bipartisan manner and favored by Dodd-Frank authors, Christopher Dodd and Barney Frank, two huge liberals. All these regulations that you're going to hear the president say that were repealed is they had compliance officers and banks, large banks can hire a thousand compliance officers. Small to middle sized banks couldn't hire compliance officers. Thousands of them. That was favored by the large banks. Why? Because then large banks knew that the small to medium sized banks were not going to become large banks. Also, made these small and medium-sized banks more affordable for the large banks to gobble up. It was a a ridiculous regulation to impose on small and medium-sized banks. It also had nothing to do with this situation, just like the Democrats said, oh, the uh, trade derailment, it's all Trump's fault because he repealed a regulation that... uh, said that you can have only one, not two conductors on a train. Like, Well, the train had two conductors on it. Shut up. Also, it had to do with bearing failure and not regulatory failure, but it didn't stop them from spreading the lie. MSNBC regurgitated it because they're very good dogs. So listen to Don, uh, President Biden blame Donald Trump for the Silicon Valley bank collapse. During the Obama-Biden administration, we put in place tough requirements on banks like Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank, including the Dodd-Frank law to make sure that the crisis we saw in 2008 would not happen again. Unfortunately, the last administration rolled back some of these requirements. I'm going to ask Congress and the banking regulators to strengthen the rules for banks to make it less likely this kind of bank failure would happen again and to protect American jobs and small businesses. Look, the bottom line is this. Americans can rest assured that our banking system is safe. Your deposits are safe. Yeah, don't you feel secure from that? By the way, you notice what he didn't say? It's what Democrats never say. Here's the specifics of the regulation that was rolled back. And here's expressly how it caused the problem. They never do that because they can't. It's just regulations were repealed. Oh, that's why it happened, because the regulations were repealed. Huh. Which ones? Don't worry about it. Well, they're, they're janitorial regulations about the maintenance in the physical building. Um, shut up. Democrats just declare something to be, and the lapdog media goes right along with it. So on this, uh, this bank situation, I've got the CEO, Greg Becker. He's a former CEO. He's a former as of uh, this weekend, this past weekend. He he released a video to his employees, his former employees, telling them, boy, we're all in this together. If you guys just stick together, you'll be fine. You'll be swell. You'll be great. Going to have the whole world on a plate. Uh, I only know that song from uh, Airplane. Remember, this guy's so messed up. He thinks he's, uh, oh, man, I can't remember her name. But anyway, she gets out of bed and starts singing. Anyway, listen to Greg Becker, former CEO of Silicon Valley Bank. Hi, everyone. Uh, It's with incredibly um, heavy heart that I'm here to deliver this message today. I want to acknowledge how hard the last really 48 hours have been on all of you. And I care so much about all of you. It really is just so incredibly difficult. 
Um, I'm trying to look past that and focus on uh, two things. Um, one, I'm focusing on you. I'm thinking about the ultimate outcome of what this could be despite this incredibly difficult time. And two, focusing on clients. Now, as you heard this morning, I'm not making those decisions anymore, which is really hard. But I am working with the FDIC, trying to figure out how can we come up with the best outcome for our clients as well as our employees. Now, I know when that message went out this morning, I can't imagine what was going through your head and wondering you know, about your job, your future, et cetera. My goal at the end of the day is to figure out how to preserve a small portion of the franchise value that we've spent so much time building and hopefully find the right partner at the end of the day that the FDIC can work with to have this institution continue in some form or fashion with many of you who I appreciate over so many years. Now, while there's no guarantee that something will happen, we don't know exactly what the results will be. So I've got an ask and it's a completely unfair ask. My unfair ask is this, can you guys just hang around, try to support each other, try to support our clients, work together, which may be a, again, a slightly better outcome than where we are right now. I know it's an ask, but I know you guys, if anybody, are the right people to ask to be with each other, to be with our clients, to try to come with the best outcome we could think of in this situation. <laughs> I'm out of here. Screw you guys. I'm going home. But will you guys stick around? I'm going to throw a party. Will you guys come and clean it up? I'm going to charge cover, make a ton of money, and then uh, I'm going to get out of here. But if you guys could clean up, that'd be awesome. What am I? Why am I saying such mean things? He's such a sincere fellow. Well, we go to this story from March 10th from Bloomberg. March 10th, just a couple days ago. Silicon Valley Bank Chief Executive Officer Greg Becker, that guy you just heard, sold $3.6 million in company stocks under a trading plan less than two weeks before the firm disclosed extensive losses that led to its failure. Huh. The sale of 12,451 shares on February 27th was the first time in more than a year that Becker had sold shares in parent company SB, SVB Financial Group, according to regulatory filings. He filed the plan that would allow him to sell shares on January 26th. He had the insider information. He was the guy who is the captain of the ship. Like the captain of the Exxon Valdez going, you know what? I think I'm going to bet heavily. I'm going to buy some stocks in uh, in environmental cleanup companies. I just feel a bender coming on or going through the, the straits up here. It is amazingly coincidental. I'm sure it's just a coincidence. But also, the Silicon Valley Bank, for the record, it was funny. Somebody was arguing with... Uh, been somebody from uh, MSNBC. It's just, uh, it just a left-wing lunatic. Somebody pointed out that uh, SVB had a chief diversity officer but did not have a risk assessment officer. And Ben Ben Collins over at there, he's a, he was the guy who was crying after the uh, shooting in the gay club and then it turns out it was a non-binary dude and they're like, oh, oh yeah, oops. Um, he said, well, yeah, they did have 
a risk officer, chief risk officer, quit lying. And he said, okay, where's the proof? So he says, here's the link to the press release. And the press release was dated January 20th or something like that of this year. They announced the hiring of a... So like a week or two after, they finally hired somebody whose job was to come in and assess the risk of the, the bank, the financial stability of the bank. The CEO goes, good Lord, I need to dump a ton of stock. I want some cash. So he gets 36 million dollars and then shortly after that the whole thing the whole house of cards collapses and that weird it's just one of them coincidences now i don't know i haven't seen it yet but where do you think greg becker made his political donations hmm where do you think that greg becker i'm gonna go i i'm just gonna go out on a limb and say that it was if i had to guess and i'm sure in the next couple of days and if i'm wrong i'm wrong but i'm gonna guess that if and it turns out that uh we find where he gave his political donations to a guy living in silicon valley out in california what did you bet dollars to donuts that uh it would be to left-wing causes you don't get to be CEO of a big bank, the bank of Silicon Valley, if you don't donate, if you aren't engaged in politics, not in San Francisco, and if you are not engaged in liberal politics. I'm just saying. Just saying. So what was Silicon Valley Bank focusing on? I want to play you this a bit. From an ad that they put out, a very expensive ad, a highly polished ad. While they're not really all that interested in risk management or weren't, they were interested in diversity, equity, and inclusion. I think there's a big disparity between the investments in black-led companies than other companies. We want to help close the Latino wealth gap. I want to be able to help them build generational wealth. I love access to innovation because of what it stands for. Giving access to opportunities such as training, such as financing, introductions that people would not necessarily get. This is part of a initiative that everyone is committed to from the CEO down. It's meaningful work that has to be done. My name is Beatriz Acevedo. I'm Dave Salvan and I'm happy to be part of Access to Innovation. Yeah, that is SVB talking about how they're committed to diversity, equity, and inclusion. Equity. Everybody got screwed. I guess they are the ultimate equity firm. Everybody got screwed. Congratulations. Well, Well done. You couldn't have paid me to bank there. Lastly, let's just listen to a little bit of Ginger Goebbels. It's been a while since we've been able to talk about Ginger Goebbels. She's gearing up for some kind of show on MSNBC at some point. So she appeared on Morning Joe and announced to the world that Joe Biden is on the case about everything, just as long as it's not too early. <laughs> and you can tell how seriously he takes something if he's off his ass before 9 a.m. Not kidding. And that's what people need to hear from him. Now, it's important to note, President Biden does nothing at 9 a.m. He is a night owl. So the fact that he is doing this at 9 a.m. anyway speaks to how uh, vital the White House recognizes it is for him to have his voice out there conveying that to the American public. All right. All right. Mika's like, all right, you, why'd you say that? Because the American people two to three times a year see Joe Biden after 5 p.m. 
Why? Because he's old. He goes to bed. We all know that. But now we know that he doesn't get his ass out of bed before 8 to get ready, take his pills and have them kick in to do anything before 9 a.m. Ginger Goebbels, all the things we do, sell ourselves out in order to make a buck. Ginger Goebbels, you had to reveal that state secret. Mika did not. Mika no like. If Joe Biden would just stay in bed the rest of the day, we'd be much better off. That's all the time we have for today. I appreciate you listening. We'll be back in a mere day to do it all over again because the stupidity never stops. Have a great one. Thanks for listening.